You are making the world a better place by listening to the Joy of Living podcast. This is your guide to achieving a more purposeful, powerful, and positive life. Join Barry Shore in unlocking the best version of you and becoming happier, healthier, and wealthier. And now, here's your ambassador of joy, Barry Shore. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking. She's always looking for and finding the good we have found. Good in abundance. Our cup runneth over with good. You're about to meet an amazing, fabulous, intriguing person named Shuel Reichman. Actually, has a title, an honorific title, which he's earned. Rabbi Shuel Reichman. So we'll talk about that. But at the moment, you have tuned in. You have tuned in for one reason and one reason only to the joy of living podcast because you care the most in the entire world about you and that's great because when you become the best you you make the world a better place you build more bridges of harmony you create more joy happiness peace and love in the world and i want to tell you at this very moment you are joined by 348,722 people around the world all of whom have tuned in for the express purpose of becoming the best human beings they can be because you know that on this program the joy of living we discuss the three fundamentals of life and when you live with these three fundamentals you will as a result become happier healthier and wealthier who doesn't want that and the three fundamentals, of course, are number one, life, your life has purpose. And when you lead a purpose-driven life, number two happens. Now, in this case, a good number two, you go MAD. Now, MAD is a wonderful acronym that stands for make a difference. You lead a purpose-driven life, you make a difference in the world. And the third fundamental is to uncover the power and the sequence of everyday words and terms. Simple example, right now, this show, The Joy of Living, is carried around the world, and you are tuned in, thank God, from almost every country in the world. And you're doing it because you care the most in the entire world about you. You want to become the best you possible. So if you ask anybody, what does uh, WWW stand for? Invariably, it has to do with the internet. Factually speaking, they're correct. But in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant, WWW stands for... What a wonderful world. And what a, is a word, right? W-H-A-T-A. Now, whenever you hear the opening bars of that song by Louis Armstrong, Satchmo, what a wonderful world. What do you do right away? You can't help it. You smile. Now, smile is one of the most important words you could ever internalize, utilize, and leverage in your life because smile is an amazing acronym that stands for seeing miracles in life every day. Seeing miracles in life every day. Now, I got to tell you, I'm back giving uh, in-person presentations. Recently, I did one, 1,176 people in the audience. It was great. Lots of energy, hugging, no masks. It was just upbeat and enlivening. And I'm telling the story about Barry Shore, and some people raise their hand and say, hey, Barry Shore, Barry Shore, I've been up for hours where I haven't seen any miracles. And I asked them, are you here? Can you hear? Can you stand still? I can't do that. Can you walk? I can barely do that. You have water to drink, you have food to eat, you have a place to sleep, you have family, you have friends. Every single one of those is a miracle. And what's the proof? Simplest proof. 
A million people didn't get out of bed this morning. You know why? They died. By definition, if you're watching or listening to this, you didn't. Therefore, you have an obligation to live life to the full. So let me tell you a quick story. Imagine if you can. Standing up in the morning, hale and hearty, able to leave tall buildings in a single bound, that's me, and in the evening, being in the hospital totally, completely paralyzed, not from an automobile accident, not a spinal injury, a rare disease which I never heard of the day before, took over my body and rendered me what's called a quadriplegic, which means nothing on my body moved from my neck down, completely paralyzed. I can only communicate by blinking my eyes. 144 days in the hospital. I was in a hospital bed in my own home for two years. I couldn't turn over by myself. Four years in a wheelchair. I had braces on both my legs, my hips, my ankles, and that was progress. Thank God today I'm able to be vertical and ambulatory with the help of a seven-foot walking wand. So I'm a tripod, not a biped. I still can't walk up a stair by myself. can't walk up a curb by myself. And I have helped 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But you hear my voice. Positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant, all because of one word. And that word is smile. Seeing miracles in life every day. I got to tell you a quick story. My eight-year-old niece comes over to me a few weeks ago and she says, Uncle Barry, Uncle Barry, can we spell smile? S-M-I-E-L. I thought about it. Smile, smile. Sounds the same. Why not? I asked her, how come? She says, because then it would stand for seeing miracles in everyday life. <laughs> out, of a ba- out of the mouth of babes, an eight-year-old. But what was she doing? She was creating the kind of world she wants to live in. Now, CREATE is a wonderful acronym that stands for causing, rethinking, enabling all to excel. You see, is that shift in perspective, that small shift in perspective makes all the difference, rethinking. Now, I've been working with people for more than 42 years. And I can tell you 97.2.2% of people, whenever we talk about making a shift in their life, they drop the F and the other stuff happens. You have to be F and careful with your Fs. You want to do a shift in your perspective. And then you'll be able to internalize, utilize, and leverage these six most important words that you'll ever learn, ever. Six most important words are choice, not chance, determines your destiny. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. How you choose to respond in any given situation will not only show you the pathway, but the trajectory of your life. Now, before we bring on our wonderful guest, Rabbi Shmuel Reichman, I want to warn everybody in advance, I do use a lot of four-letter words. I even use the four-letter F-U word. I do it for the shock value and it's fun. Now, of course, the four-letter words that we use because we live in the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant are love, life, hope, free, gift, pray, play, swim. And the four-letter F-U word is fun. Fun, yes, F-U, capital N, capital N. Now, right away, some people raising their hand say, hey, Barry Shore, fun is only spelled with three letters, not in our world, the world of the positive, purposeful, powerful, and pleasant. Fun is spelled F-U, capital N, capital N. So after the show, when you see your family and friends, you have a twinkle in your eye, you have a smile on your face, when you know what that stands for, I want you to point your finger and tell everybody, F-U. But remember to add right away, capital N, capital N. You say, where? Where'd you get that? I'd say, I listen to Barry Shore on the Joy of Living podcast, and he wants to teach the world to F you. Capital N, capital N. It opens up the idea of what you can talk about. And we have lots to talk about today with wonderful Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. So before we bring on Shmuel, I'm going to urge everybody to do the following. I want you to use the two most powerful words in the English language three times a day from now and the rest of your life. 
because they'll make a difference for you, your family, your friends, and all living beings. And these two words are, of course, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank stands for to harmonize and nurture kindness. To harmonize and nurture kindness. Uh, example, you go into a coffee shop, you order your fancy latte, you sit down, somebody brings it to you, you say thank you, of course. Go to the coffee shop, you order fancy latte, you sit down, you order your, your fancy latte, nobody brings it, a couple of minutes go by, you go to the counter, they say, I'm sorry, we forgot, we'll bring it to you, you sit down, a couple more minutes go by, somebody brings you, you still say thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop, it's raining out, somebody holds the door open for you, you say thank you. You're walking out of the coffee shop, it's raining, and somebody slams the door on you, you say Thank you. You're in traffic. You're late for an appointment. Somebody cut you off. You say, thank you. Get up in the middle of the night and you stub your toe and it hurts. You say, that's right. Thank you to harmonize and nurture kindness. Kind is a wonderful word. It stands for keep inspiring noble deeds. I can't think of anybody, anybody that inspires noble deeds that I want to share with you that other than wonderful Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. Shmuel, please say hello to 357,829 people around the world. Hello, everybody. First of all, your energy is contagious beyond contagious. Literally found myself smiling ear to ear before we even start our conversation. So job well done. Woo! Those loving words, baby. Now, by the way, I say this directly to a rabbi. You ready for what I'm going to say? When was the last time someone said F you to you and you smiled? <laughs> <laughs> not, sure last, not sure last time anyone said F you to me, but right. uh, definitely would have tried to smile. Definitely easier when the F you is F U N capital N capital N. F U capital N capital N. Okay, we're going to jump right in because. There are so many people that are going to be wondering and say, what is a rabbi going to talk about other than rabbi things? Well, yes and no. One of the reasons I've asked, and I'm so honored and humbled that uh, Rabbi Shmuel Reichman is joining us. And by the way, everything you want to know about him, and there's a lot to know, just go to my website, which is www.whatawonderfulworld.barryshore.com. B-A-R-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E, barryshore.com. And remember, of course, you're going to share this podcast with five people, five friends. That's it, just five. So we'll touch a million and a half people eventually. But go there. Everything about Shmuel you, that you want to know is there. And there's a lot to know because he's done so much and he is doing so much in the world. So I don't want to go deep into his VC, his CV, because if we do, it will take up most of the show. But suffice it to say, in addition to being a, uh, an ordained minister, a rabbi in this case, he is well-schooled in many different disciplines, in many different schools, places like Harvard, the University of Chicago, in addition to being involved in the business world and a motivational speaker and author, and of course, a musician. But that's just because he's a wonderful guy. So you get, he's a basic Renaissance guy, and what I call a Jewish overachiever. I want to jump right in and talk about something that intrigues me, Shmuel, and I want to make you aware, of course, that of our listening audience of hundreds of thousands of people, and of course, they'll be sharing it with many more, a very a tiny, tiny fraction are Jewish in any way possible. And therefore, what we want to talk about today is the, the genius of Judaism. Notice I didn't say Judaism. We'll talk about that in a bit the genius of Judaism and the Torah. 
So my first question to you is, Rabbi Reichman, tell us what does the word Torah mean and what is a rabbi? What do you do? It's a great question. So the first question that you asked really gets to the core of what anything means, right? If you ask what a word means, talk about acronyms, right? So you give meaning to a word by essentially deepening it. So in Hebrew, one of the beauties of the word Hebrew is it's not just a colloquial language, it's not just a practical thing, it's that the words actually mean things. So if you break down the word Torah, the root of the word Torah is or, which is the Hebrew word for light. And that's why another word for Torah is orisa, light. And one of the most brilliant things about Torah, it's like, you know, I spent my life studying wisdom and it's my greatest passion. I've been in the business world, studied with many great universities, many great professors, many great mentors. But when you pursue wisdom, you're always looking for the root of things. It's like you have a tree, you wanna go down to understand that tree comes from a seed. A human being comes from a zygote. If you wanna understand music, it comes from just notes. And when you pursue the meaning of life, when you pursue the purpose of life, you wanna go down to the root fundamental components. So if someone would ask me like, what makes Torah great? What makes Torah worth thinking about? You know, I've studied the greatest philosophers, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, Descartes, Kant, Nietzsche. What makes Torah superior in the hierarchy of wisdom and knowledge? So I would say that if you look at the concept of light, there's a difference between the spectrum of light in terms of colors and white light, right? If you have white light, white light, when refracted through a prism, gives you something fascinating. What does it give you? It gives you the spectrum of light. And if you'd ask, which of those colors is the white light? You get blue, you get green, you get red, you get purple, all these different colors, which one's white light? So you can, you know, if a five-year-old would maybe say, one of these colors, what's your favorite color? And a more mature person might say all of them, right? If you add them all together. But if you really think about it, the white light is not just the summation of the pieces, it's something that transcends those pieces. It's essentially the oneness that when brought down into the realm of multiplicity, expresses into individual colors, but the actual source transcends the pieces. And when you are trying to build a life, you have your intellectual growth, you have your spiritual growth, you have your emotional well-being, you have your physical health, you have your relationships, you have your career, you have the impact you want to have on your community and the world, you have your financial growth, you have all these different aspects of your life. And most people are confused because they're all over the place. Like if your marriage is great, how's your health? If your health is great, are you pursuing greatness in your career? If your career is going great, are you spiritually aware? Are you spiritually growing? So when it comes to life, one of the hardest things to do is to build an interconnected, harmonized, oneness-oriented life where all the pieces align, where you're actually not just appearing to be successful on the external social media front, but you're actually building an integrated life where you know why you're doing what you're doing, your life makes sense, and you actually have an explanation for everything in your life, not just the things that kind of you show to the world in public. And when it comes to all the realms of wisdom, science, philosophy, psychology, delving into quantum mechanics and physics and mathematics, 
It's like, what is all this data? What is all this knowledge? What is all this wisdom? Like, why pursue any of it? Like, what's the purpose of any of it? And for me, the brilliance of Torah is that it's that white light. It's the fundamental source. It's the harmonizing oneness that brings all the pieces together. And from a sophisticated perspective, when you understand that, you can pursue a life of spiritual growth and philosophical intellectual growth and emotional and psychological mastery and physical mastery, you know, I exercise every single day and pursuing passions and hobbies and music and building a business and writing bestsellers and impacting the world. As long as you understand the hierarchy, all those pieces come together. Uh, so let me make mention and break out some of the pieces that you've given to us already because they are engaging and chanting and quite accessible when you use the idea of, first of all, the word or, the word in Torah. So in Torah in English, T-O-R-A-H, for those who want to look it up, if you've been living, you're living in, let's say, Sri Lanka or you're living in uh, Indonesia or you're living in Bolivia, you never heard the word before, look it up, usually with a capital T-O-R-A-H. And wonderful Rabbi Reichman is telling us that the root of this magnificent process called Torah is light. Now, when you're dealing with light, light is one of the most magnificent aspects of being alive because at one and the same time, we use light in order to see. We don't necessarily see light. Interesting. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about pursuing wisdom, and wisdom, you said, is inherent in light. And yet when you talk to us about breaking up light into the spectral colors, and then therefore, is light one or is light many? And the answer is yes. <laughs> That's a conundrum. But the, the great uh, acronym for life, which is what you're talking about, is living inspirationally for eternity. And I think that's what you've been touching on here in this, just these few minutes, Rabbi Reichman, is that when we're dealing with wisdom, as distinct, by the way, from knowledge, knowledge, mm -hmm. you call it, is a, a tool, a process, something wonderful to acquire. But when, when you use it, the goal of using knowledge, I, I presume, and I'm saying this not as a rabbi, but as a basic person, is to acquire wisdom. As you say, the, the hierarchy of life is that wisdom is the highest level of or the greatest pursuit. And you use the word harmony, which is wonderful because you are a musician in addition to everything else. And so the ability to harmonize, I'm just saying what you've been saying, I hope I'm doing it correctly, is that this is the genius of what you are bringing to the world in the garb of a Jewish teacher. In other words, a rabbi is a Jewish teacher. Is that correct? Is that fair to say? I mean, a rabbi is, there are many different types of rabbis. A rabbi is essentially a Jewish educator who spreads the wisdom of Torah, living a life of Torah truth. And I think the way that you phrase it is so powerful because light, you don't see light. Light reveals. So essentially, the purpose of spiritual growth, and you said it's the same thing, and I've studied... You know, all different spiritual pathways, you know, Buddhism, Christianity, Islam, like all, like many, 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 many different pathways. And, you know, philosophy is a spiritual pathway as well. And the goal 
of every spiritual system is trying to essentially determine the nature of reality, why we're here, the purpose of life, and how to live a life of truth and essentially fulfill the purpose of why we wake up to the question of why we're here. As in, when you mature your mind, you know, as you're going through adolescence, everyone has the same question. Like, why in the world do I exist? And why do I have to make a living? And why is life so hard? And why am I suffering? And why do I care so much about what other people think about me? And why do I have to do all these things? And why do I do any of these things? And a lot of people, just overwhelming. So they either shut off that part of their questioning center, their curiosity, their childlike just wonder of the nature of existence, or they pursue the answers to these questions. And well, wait, very- let me do one thing on that very high note, and it's a wonderful one. Uh, I want to share with our audience, we're gonna do a commercial break, and we urge you to utilize the services and goods that are provided by these people that bring benefit to you because they supply, they support our show. So we're gonna do a quick break. We'll be right back with Rabbi Reichman. Don't go away because we're discussing wisdom and life, and joy, and happiness. Be right back after this brief message. Don't go away. Good day, everybody. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, BetterHelp. Now, everybody knows, as watches this show, that I've been through a lot of stuff. Paralyzed, years in therapy, And when I talk about therapy, I'm talking about physical and mental therapy. So I am a big believer in the benefits of therapy. And I'd like to urge everybody to consider using therapy in your life. It will make a positive, purposeful, powerful, beneficial difference for you. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, I would urge you to give BetterHelp a try. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with the licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. It is really, I believe, a great opportunity if you're considering using therapy. And I urge people, use therapy. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash joy of living. Do it today and you'll get 10% off your first month. Visit betterhelp.com. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com forward slash joy of living. You'll thank me. And I know you like thanking me. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash joy of living. Do it now. Good day, beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings, and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking because you're always looking for finding the good. We found good in abundance. Our cup runneth over with good. His name is Rabbi Shmuel Reichman, and we're on the cusp of finding out about why. Why are you here? And now that you know that, who are you, and what are you supposed to do? So, 
Rabbi Reichman, on the why, the who, and the what, what are we doing? That's what WW stands for. Why, who, and what? Why am I here? Who am I? And now that I know, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, so th those are basically the questions, the most powerful questions. And like a lot of people, they they struggle with, like, why does that matter? Like, practically, like, why should I even care about those things? And you know, I've coached CEOs, business leaders, entrepreneurs, people who are, you know, changing the world, speakers, authors, impactors, influencers. There's no question that the key to success in the material world, if you want to financially succeed, you want to build an amazing marriage, you want to make an impact, you want to build a brand, you want to build a business, you have to be very, very clear on why you're doing it. Because you're going to require so much passion, so much vigor, so much energy. There's a reason why so few people do it. Most people give up. They don't have, there's a powerful quote that he who has a why can overcome anyhow. And if you know why you're doing it, you can find the passion, the energy, the grit, the perseverance to figure out how to get it done. But so few people get back to the root. They're just living on the surface. They're just trying to make it big, trying to succeed, trying to be happy. And if you realize that you are a self, you know, Michelangelo was once asked, like, how do you build these amazing sculptures? How do you create these magnificent pieces of art? And he says that, like, you see the finished sculpture, you think I just created a sculpture. When you look at that original marble block, you see a marble block, I see the sculpture. I just have to rub away the surface and reveal what's already inside. And the key to life is essentially realizing that you are something, that there's something within you, that you are essentially a molded consciousness that's unconscious of yourself. And knowledge, you know, John Locke had this idea that we're a blank slate, that the way you learn is essentially just type information and data onto your mind. But the Platonic and the Torah model of, of wisdom is that there are objective ideas in the universe. And that when you learn, you're coming in touch with not just random data, but truth. And more importantly, the purpose of life is not to become great, but to become you. And that there's an uh, actual... Like Let's repeat that, please. Um, I mean, you just hit upon a very wonderful high note. The purpose of life is what? Is not to become great but to become you. And what that means is that there's an actual you that's dormant, that's potential. And that, you know, in the Western world, success is objective. If you want to make it to the NBA, you have to be part of the top 500 basketball players in the world. If you want to make it to the NFL, the MLB, if you want to make it into the professional leagues, you got to be the best objectively. If you want to be a doctor, it doesn't matter how growth oriented you are. If everyone dies on your operating table, you are not going to get a job. Not how it works. When it comes to self-worth, when it comes to self-image, when it comes to the actual nature of reality, the purpose of life is not to create objective greatness. The standard of greatness is becoming all that you're capable of becoming, which means external comparison is nonsensical. Now, Einstein said that if you judge a fish by how it can climb a tree, you'll think it's stupid. If you judge yourself based on other people, it's like your internal framework is different. Your experiences are different. Your genetics are different. Your internal wiring is different. It's not just practical. It's fundamental. There's a literal you. And if you realize that some people are introverted, some people are extroverted, some people are interpersonal, some people are very mathematical and number and data oriented. Some people are visionaries, entrepreneurs, business builders. Some people are implementers. They're, they're, they're ones that essentially create and express it into the world. And if you are judging yourself based on the wrong terms, or if you just don't know who you are, you're just playing the wrong game.
And the goal of life is essentially to stage one figure out what you are, who you are, and why you are. And then as you gain progress in that mission, to just allow yourself to unfold and express everything that you're capable of becoming through the journey of life. And as you go on that journey, you'll get more clarity. Now, people think that you have this aha moment where you discover your purpose. Oh, I, I, I developed self-awareness. Now I know who I am, why I am, what I'm supposed to do. I go on the next 80 years of my life on autopilot and just kind of express, write those books, change the world, have that mission. No, it's an endless journey of self-discovery, self-awareness, and self-expression. And when you're tapped into something that transcends yourself, and like, and this is one of the deepest concepts, like everyone has a God. Your God is essentially the value system that you develop or discover or devote your life to. Now, in Judaism, we call that God. We call that Hashem. And it's the source of all existence, the source of all wisdom, the source of all ideas, the source of all values. Sorry, what does that mean, Hashem? So Hashem in Hebrew means the name. The name, the name. without getting into all the, the complexities. A name essentially is... A revealed aspect like you don't have a name for yourself you have a name for others so my name shmuel i don't call myself shmuel call myself i right it'd be weird if i walk around talking to myself as like shmuel do this i say like you know you gotta do that right i don't talk to myself my name is for you it's a hook it's how you can relate to me so we cannot grasp the ungraspable just like you cannot see me you don't see my actual mind myself you see my face you see my facial expressions you see the actions i do you hear the words i say essentially you're dealing with the expression so without getting into all the complexities of, of torah wisdom we refer to hashem by the name hashem because there's always an unattainable aspect of trying to tap into the infinite when you're trying to tap into the root of all roots it's an endless journey. So we don't expect to ever be there. We expect to essentially journey towards it. So the way we relate to God is not by assuming that we know God, but by relating to the expression, trying to endlessly journey deeper, just like self-awareness is an endless journey. It's so literally, you will never. Let me put you on, unpack something. So again, the name of this podcast, of course, is The Joy of Living. By the way, notice that it's not the joy of living. It's the joy of living. Joy is a remarkable acronym, wonderful Shmuel, that stands for journey of you. Exactly. That's what joy is. Exactly. It's not the aha moment and that, oh, it's all done. It's the journey of you, that opening up of the flower, that lotus blossom. So I want to ask you, being a rabbi, being a Jew, what is unique about Torah. Why should people listen to you that Torah is something special in the world? So that is perhaps the most foundational and fantastic question. It's a question which I would never claim to say I have the answer, being that it's a lifelong journey on my end of deepening my perception. But I have entered into just about every industry that I can get my hands on. You know, the spiritual industry, the academic industry, the business industry, the music industry, the impact industry, professionals, business, entrepreneur, all forms of wisdom. And the question is like, what makes wisdom great? What makes a, a system of wisdom great? 
And anyone who pursues any field is like, if you look at the world of physics, what makes physics so difficult is that they had Newtonian physics and then they discovered the quantum realm. And quantum physics contradicted every normative principle in physics. So they had to completely reconfigure and say, maybe quantum physics is the real grand underlying theory, what they call guts, the grand unifying theory of life. And then they spent a long time trying to essentially deal with you know, general relativity and quantum mechanics. And they thought string theory was maybe the theory that encompassed all of it. And then like the, the constant struggle is like, can we figure out a system that encompasses everything? That, that essentially answers every question, every express phenomena can be placed within the hierarchical structure of the system that we've created. And if you get problems, the system breaks down. So every hypothesis is like, maybe this will work, but then we do tests and it doesn't work. So we have to improve the system because the system is broken. It essentially does not, it, it does not explain the world fully. There are things that don't work. So we have to improve the system. Now, in theory, when you have a spiritual system, you wanna understand what does that mean? What is spirituality? What is philosophy? What is psychology? What is physics? What is business? What, what are relationships? And that's where a lot of people kind of live within their own world. So there are people who spend their whole life in the wisdom of business. There are people who spend their whole life in the wisdom of philosophy. There are people who spend their whole life in the wisdom of psychology. There are people who spend their whole life in the wisdom of mathematics. There are people who spend their whole life, you can go on and on and on, right? There are subcategories and subcategories in different fields and everyone lives within their own universe of wisdom. And then there are some people who bridge worlds, right? They are people who are philosophers, but also business gurus, people who are academics, but have also built brands and are impacting the world, people who are rabbis, spiritual, but they're also athletes engaging the physical, right? And like, where does marriage fit into this? Where does anything fit into this? So one of the classic questions of living what you'd call a life of the mind, a life of the spirit, and by the way, spirituality is the most ethereal, unexplained principle. Like, what do you mean by spirituality? Like, what, how would we define spirituality? So if you define spirituality as the realm of the consciousness, the realm of, of the mind, the realm of the spirit, so the question is, how does the world of the spiritual, of the infinite, the transcendent, the ethereal, the theoretical, the realm of ideas, of purpose, of, of conceptual infinite potential, how does that relate to a world of finite physical reality, a world of essentially the corporeal, the limited, the finite. We're all in a physical world. We're going to die. Well, this is very good. Let's put a pause for, to unpack a few things here. Part of what you're saying is if, in fact, the world called spirituality is living in the infinite, if it's possible to say that, and the world of the, let's call it business, for the want of a better term, is the world of the finite, how does the finite and the infinite come together and live in harmony? And I think what part of what you're discussing here is that truth, ultimate truth, is in fact that. It harmonizes the ability for a rabbi to play baseball. Or in, go theory, out and in theory, you, you, get what, you want to deepen it because, again, let's use the white light analogy because it's a brilliant analogy. 
the white light is essentially in the hierarchy of light. It's the source of the colors. The colors stem from the white light. So you wouldn't say that the colors are not white light. But you also wouldn't say it is white light. You'd say it's an aspect of white light. You'd say it's an expression. So what's more important when it comes to understanding the hierarchy of light? The white light's more important. So what's more important when it comes to the spiritual and the physical? The spiritual. As in, there's a very deep idea that the physical world is not a creation but an expression. Which means that the physical world is not just a random place where we're able to live a life of meaning and purpose, but it's actually a place of meaning and purpose. It's a place that literally is an expression of ideas. The whole world is data, right? If you break down anything in the physical world's data, it's information, it's ideas, it's a conversation. And the moment that you view the physical as an expression of the spiritual, the finite is an expression of the infinite, what happens is, is that the physical world, your body becomes infinitely meaning, meaningful. Bringing value to the world, engaging in business, engaging in entrepreneurship, being a professional, bringing value to other people's lives, helping people. It's not just for spiritual credit, as in you're cashing some spiritual bank account. It's that the entire world, it's like, think of it like this. A tree came from a seed, right? Uh, each of us came from a zygote. The expressed colors came from that white light. If the physical world's not a creation but an expression, that means that we are essentially playing within a spiritual realm, a finite spiritual realm and that everything in life becomes infinitely meaningful. Everything in life is infinitely meaningful, but there's still a hierarchy. And that means that the realm of ideas is more important, substantive, potent, and essentially root form than the expression of those ideas. Good, so that being the case, I ask you again, what makes Torah unique? So what makes Torah unique is two, two aspects of this paradigm. Number one is that it is a spiritual system that fundamentally embraces, uplifts, and idealizes living a spiritual life in this world. As in the whole purpose of spiritual life is not to transcend the physical, but to essentially transcend within it. So marriage is not just permissible, but an ideal. Wine is not just permissible, but what's called, you know, a mitzvah, a commandment. It's something which is transcendently imminent as opposed to something which needs to be avoided because it's very physical. So the physical becomes not something that is lowly, that is disgusting, that's to be avoided, that's dangerous. It's something which is 100% dangerous, 100% corruptible, 100% able to essentially pull you away from truth, from living life and meaning and purpose and clarity and all the things that you want, but it's also a small t truth. It's also a color that's expressed from the white light. And it's actually a very important part of the puzzle of life. And so the holistic nature- So exactly. how does the enable the you to see in this process called, let's say, marriage, which is the physical union of man and woman, that that becomes a transcendent process and not a lowly animal process. Exactly. So almost all of the mitzvahs, almost all of the commandments, almost all of the aspects of living a Torah life, you would think that living a spiritual life is living a life of the mind, living a life of ideas, living a life of the philosophical, the conceptual, the ethereal. You can literally count on your hand 
the number of spiritual commandments that are spiritual in the Torah, right? Believe in God, don't serve idolatry, don't be jealous. Almost every single aspect of living a Torah life, of living a Jewish life is physical, right? You shake a lulav, you eat matzah, leavened bread, you, you wear tefillin, right? The things that we wear on our heads, men wear on their heads when they pray. You engage the physical, not only to express the, the infinite into the finite, but to connect from the finite to the infinite. So like if you look at, I'll give you a great example. If you look at someone who's essentially doing a puppet show, when he's controlling the puppets from his strings above, so you don't see the person who's controlling it, you just see the puppets. So how does that work? What works is basically you're viewing the puppets, but the entire control system is coming from above. So there's a system that you can't see that's controlling everything below. But what if you had a system where that's not only true, but the puppets below can tap into that which is above by pulling those strings back, right? When you play a piano, the music doesn't come when you hit the note. There's a chain reaction. So what ends up happening is that you press a note and it causes a chain reaction. The music comes from somewhere else. You, it's the same thing for everything. The cause and effect, when you turn your car on, the turning the key doesn't actually turn the engine on, causes a ripple effect. So this is literally the most fundamental paradigm of living a spiritual life is your thoughts affect your emotions, which affect your actions. Your actions affect your emotions, which affect your thoughts. Living a spiritual life is essentially controlling and engaging the physical reality to create an inner spiritual result. And from a metaphysical perspective, there's an idea that the actions you do in this world have a metaphysical effect. That it's not okay. just- We're gonna put you on pause here because I'm gonna ask you a question that you're gonna answer on the other side of this break. Can one live this spiritual ideal life without the Torah? So we'll be right back after this brief break. Don't go away. There's more Shmuel Reichman on the other side of this brief break. You're going to love our products. You're going to love our sponsors, but you love Shmuel even more. So we'll be right back after this. Good day, everybody. Oh, something special for you. Amazing. Sometimes a great notion comes into the world and changes, causes a shift that benefits everyone. Isn't that wonderful? Everyone benefits. This time it's called Einstein Cares. That's right, like Albert Einstein. EinsteinCares.com. E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N-C-A-R-E-S. EinsteinCares.com. Go there and sign up to be aware of when the site launches. Because guess what this site is all about? Its mission is to give $1 billion to charity without costing any giver a penny. Okay, I'm going to say it again. The mission is to give $1 billion to charity without costing any giver a penny. And it's based upon something everybody loves to do. Shop, have fun, give money at no cost. Go to EinsteinCares.com. That's EinsteinCares.com and register now so that when the site launches, you will be amongst the first to know about it. So you can shop, earn money and give money at no cost. What a wonderful world to even be thinking about these things. EinsteinCares.com. Do it today. You'll thank me. And you know you love thanking me. 
Best wishes. Bye now. Good day. Beautiful, bountiful, beloved immortal beings and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking. She's always looking for and finding the good. We found good in abundance. His name is Rabbi Shmuel Reichman, and we have him on the edge of our seats because we're asking him a question. Can you be a spiritual being like he's been describing all these wonderful things without the Torah? Rabbi Reichman. That's an amazing question. It's it's the million-dollar question. Now... There is a concept in the Torah called the Sheva Mitzvot B'nei Noach, the seven Noahide commandments. And essentially, I mean, this is, this is one of the most powerful principles that anyone, anyone can ever really delve into is the concept of hierarchies. Because what ends up happening is a lot of people, they say yes or no. It's yes or no, black or white, you know, good or bad. It's a life of essentially creating dichotomies which are simple that do not encompass and explain everything, but it's essentially easy to digest, easy to market, easy to sell, easy to buy. To say it's either yes or no is essentially to get around the fact that there's not a gray area, but there are levels. It's not yes or no, it's like, it's the white light analogy. There, there, white light is not light, whereas the colors are not light. It's that white light is essentially more fundamental in the hierarchy of light. So truth is also not simple. If I were to ask you, what is truth? It's a very hard thing to define, right? Let's say someone comes and he tells his father, you know, Dan kicked me in the face. So first of all, it's a good high kick, right? You know, Dan reached the face. But he goes over to Dan and says, why do you kick my son in the face? He says, that's because, <laughs> what do you mean? Mark, he punched me. Why'd you punch him? It's because he threw me down the stairs. Why'd you throw him down the stairs? He called me a name. It's like, who's telling the truth? Are they lying? Are they telling the truth? The answer is like, of course they're telling the truth. They're only telling a part of the truth. Like they don't have the whole truth. They're just filling in a piece of the puzzle. So can someone live a life of truth without the Torah? It depends on what you mean by truth. It depends on what you mean without the Torah. It depends on what you mean by Torah. (laughs) Wait a minute. Those sound all like very interesting rabbinic ways of not answering the question. I'm going to answer the question. I mean, listen, any real thinker will answer any fundamental question by pulling apart every single word in the question, opening up every word, and essentially needing to define the words. It's like a classic question, do you believe in God? What do you mean by you? What do you mean by believe? What do you mean by God? So, you know, to quote Jordan Peterson, the question is, what does it mean to live a life of truth? So, If in theory, a life of Torah is living a life of absolute ideal truth, again, to live a life of Torah is there's an infinite spectrum within that. There's many different types of living a Torah life. There's many different types of Jews, many different sects. You open up any religion, you get 25,000 different religions. So the simplicity of the question needs to be sophisticated and complexified to then create the structure within which to analyze and answer it. Without doing that, we can essentially just try to answer the question of can someone live a life of truth? And without getting to the hierarchies of truth, if it, if a life of truth is actualizing your potential, living a life of meaning, meaning and purpose, and devoting your life to becoming everything that you're capable of becoming, and helping others do the same, and finding how you can add value to the world, and 
really heighten every aspect of your life in terms of your self-awareness, your intellectual growth, your emotional well-being, your physical health, your leadership skills, building amazing relationships, building an amazing family, having an impact on the world, making a great living, and building that abundancy, that abundance mindset where you can literally not, you can become anything, but your goal is not to become anything. It's to become you. And yes, anyone can do that. But how? You need the roadmap. You need the wisdom. You need the guidance. So there are literally infinite spiritual systems that can give you aspects of guidance that can help you with the roadmap of how to do that. On the hierarchy of those roadmaps, Torah, again, from my perspective, is the highest on the hierarchy. Every system has aspects of truth and brilliance, and every system will help you. It's like, for example, let's say you want to build a business. So you're not going to go to someone who has no knowledge of business to build a business. You're going to go to someone who's done it. You're going to go to business school. You're going to find people who have built what you want to build in certain ways and model success to then create it yourself. So there are so many ways to gain aspects of knowledge, aspects of wisdom, guidance, role models, mentors, educators, leaders, influencers, the brilliant people in the world, they have something to it. What makes Torah unique is its interconnected oneness, essentially counting for all aspects of everything, integrating them all together, the ultimate hierarchical system of truth, and accounting for all aspects of life. If you, if you find a lot of people who are focused on, you know, just to make it easy, we'll talk, talk about business success. A lot of them sacrifice their marriage for business success. A lot of them sacrifice their health for business success. A lot of them sacrifice their self-awareness and their internal growth for business success. Now, those people do that because they think in order to succeed, I need to give those things up. And they want success so bad that they're willing to do that. And sometimes they don't really make the decision, it just happens. Now, that's not something that they're showing you or they would teach you because they know it's, there's something wrong with it. Like it's not something that's, it's not an ideal that's worth striving for. It's not a virtue worth replicating. It's not something that you'd want. It's something that essentially, if you talk to them in private, you'd basically say, listen, this is where I had to give up. And if you're willing to give that up too, you can succeed. But that's depressing. It's depressing to have to choose one value over another, one truth over another, one aspect of life over another. You'd want a system of life that's balanced where you are able to fully pursue that which you believe is worth pursuing without giving up that which you think is important. And I have found so many people that just don't believe that's true, don't believe it's possible. It's just like, and that's not to say that you don't need to sacrifice. Like hard work is different than giving up truth and value. You don't wanna sacrifice your values, your self-worth, your identity, or what you believe in, but you're gonna have to sacrifice time, energy, money. You're gonna have to sacrifice a lot of the things that are fleeting and a lot of things that you know you should sacrifice, but don't want to sacrifice. That's different than talking about in the realm of ideas and values, things that you know you shouldn't sacrifice that you think you have to sacrifice, right? Meaning if you want to get in good shape, you got to sacrifice the junk food. It's just, you know, it's, it's part of the game. Wait, wait, wait. That, that's a very good point. If one chooses to say, I wish to be in physical shape and let's say 
shed 22 unwanted pounds. Well, maybe, just maybe, eating two donuts a day will not be the best route. Two donuts a day. I'll sacrifice one. But let's go to something deep uh, because our time is coming so short and it's been so wonderful. We're talking with Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. Rabbi Reichman is talking about the Torah. Torah is the essence of light. Now, let's be blunt. The Torah is the gift that God gave to the Jewish people. And God gave this gift to the Jewish people some 3,500 years ago. Let's say that out in numbers. 3,500 plus minus years ago. Jews have been in the world all that time. Almost every other group of people who espoused systems of truth or wisdom have gone by the wayside. Not all, but almost everyone. The longevity of the Jew is one of the most remarkable, powerful expositors of truth in the world. If you want to do something beneficial for yourself, and I'm talking to hundreds of thousands of people throughout the world who are not in any way Jewish, have never even thought about being Jewish, they're not Jewish, become a philo-Semite. Now that's distinguished from an anti-Semite. Don't do that because you'll hurt yourself because God loves the Jewish people. Become a philo-Semite. Learn about what Judaism offers to the world, what Judaism teaches, what Torah is about. One of the reasons I asked Rabbi Shmuel Reichman to join us today, and he's so articulate, is because you will find in the map, the roadmap of Torah, that it will help you address these questions of why are you here? Who are you? And now that you know that, what are you supposed to do? How do you live a life of truth? So we only have a, a few more minutes today, wonderful Rabbi Reichman. And I'm going to ask you three questions, and then we'll have to put together this particular session. So you ready for three sessions, three questions? Let's do it. Okay. First question. Will you come back again? I would love to. Okay. Thank you. Next question. And you only have 80 seconds to answer this. What is your most fervent desire? That's a good question. My most fervent desire, my deepest desire is to become all that I am capable of becoming and help everyone else in the world do the same. And it's literally that there's two ways of thinking about fear. You know, fear stands for false evidence appearing real or face everything and rise. But fear is always seen as something to overcome, right? You want to fear a lot of people, they don't, pursue their greatness because they're scared of failing. They're scared of what other people will think. They're scared they're not good enough. What if I do it and it's not as good as I thought it would be? It's not worth it. I'll have to give up all these things, the pain. But like, what about the fear of not actualizing your potential, of not becoming everything that you're capable of becoming, of not taking full advantage of the opportunity and responsibility that we've been given in this world? So I think of the greatest way to structure your life is to have a magnetic pull towards something amazing and to be really scared of something behind you to propel you forward. Where if you have this amazing attraction to your future and an amazing desire to get away from something that you're genuinely scared of, you don't want to get rid of fear, you want to use it. It's like 
fear is not something to discard, it's something to utilize. Behind every fear is your next level, but also utilizing the fear of not becoming everything you're capable of becoming is perhaps the greatest way to become as close to that Michelangelo sculpture, you know, hiding beneath your surface. So that is my deepest desire. Thank you. And now number three, may I give you a hug in front of 368,293 people around the world? I would love one. Okay, but let me tell you what hug stands for. Hug stands for heartfelt, unlimited giving. Heartfelt, unlimited giving on the count of three. One, two, three. The Joy of Living podcast with your humble host, Barry Shore, and our amazing, wonderful, fabulous Rabbi Shmuel Reichman today, bringing you the three fundamentals of life, which are, number one, life, your life has purpose, as you've been hearing from Rabbi Reichman. And number two, you lead a purpose-driven life, you go mad. Mad stands for make a difference. And the third fundamental is to uncover the power and the sequence of everyday words and terms so you can learn to be happier, healthier, and wealthier. Simple example, www. What a wonderful world. Smile. Seeing miracles in life every day. Or as my eight-year-old niece says, seeing miracles in everyday life. Create the kind of world you want to live in. As Shmuel's been telling us, you can create the kind of world you want to live in, causing rethinking, enabling all to excel. Learn about the Torah, T-O-R-A-H. And when you do, you will have a shift in your perspective. You got to keep that F in place so the other stuff happens. You'll shift your perspective. Remember, choice, not chance. Choice, not chance, determines your destiny. Use four-letter words all the time. But remember, from the positive, purposeful, powerful, pleasant aspect, use four-letter words. Love, life, hope, free, grift, pray, play, swim. And tell the world to F you, capital N, capital N. So after the show, see your family and friends. You see them to point your fingers and say, F you, everybody. Remember to add capital N, capital N. Where did you get that? I said, I listen to Barry Shore on the Joy of Lean podcast. He wants to teach the world to F you, capital N, capital N. And we'll open up a whole idea. What did you talk about? Well, he had on Rabbi Reichman. He was talking about spirituality and living life to the full and Torah, and light, and colors, and joy, and happiness, and peace, and love. And therefore, remember, use the two most powerful words in the English language every day from now forward, three times a day, consciously and conscientiously. You may say thank you many times, three times a day, consciously and conscientiously. Thanks stands for to harmonize and nurture kindness to harmonize and nurture kindness. Everyone, everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Therefore, be kind always. Kind stands for keep inspiring noble deeds, just like Rabbi Reichman has done for us today. So on that note, a blessing from Rabbi Reichman and Barry Shore. Go forth, live exuberantly, spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. Go mad. Go make a difference. Well, don't go away. Good day. Beautiful, bountiful, beloved, immortal beings and good-looking people. Remember, you're good-looking. She's always looking for and finding the good. This is Insider Tips on the Joy of Living podcast, and we are honored to have with us today a remarkable person working with a fantastic organization that is geared to helping 
the next generation, making sure that our kids not only are not left behind, but they are leading what's happening in the world. And I don't mean just in the United States of America, but leading the world. So we're welcoming to our humble stage, Sarah DeWitt. She is the senior vice president for and general manager of something called PBS Kids. Now, PBS, for those of you who don't know, I don't know why anybody shouldn't know, PBS stands for Public Broadcasting Stations, and it's called PBS Kids. So everything we're going to talk about is about fun and kids and learning and growing, and yes, even some adults will talk about. So uh, first of all, without further ado, welcome, wonderful Sarah. Thank you, Barry. I'm so happy to be here. And we're happy that you're here. She's in Arlington, Virginia, which is a very interesting place, by the way. And it's the headquarters for PBS, which touches, thank God, tens and tens of millions of people around the United States of America. And I dare say these days, because of the internet, probably around the world. I mean, let's be blunt. There is no such thing as a radio station anymore that you know people can only tune, tune into. This is universal. And that, I think, is one of the greatest things that's happened with PBS and what we're about to talk about. So um, everybody knows, and if you don't, I guess you're living under a rock, that there's something in the world called chat GPT and and the two other letters, AI, but it's really not AI, it's artificial intelligence. Now, the thing that I want to bring out before I ask Sarah to answer a couple of questions is be aware that artificial intelligence will not replace human intelligence. What it will do, hopefully, and I believe it will, is it now enable us to advance our human intelligence and advance our ability to live together in a connected world because we do live in a connected world. And it's really about utilizing these remarkable forces to teach kids how fun it is to learn. You hear that word? Fun. So I'm just gonna jump right in and ask you wonderful, Sarah. Uh, first of all, tell us about PBS Kids in its content. So PBS Kids, as you said, is the public broadcasting service across the United States. So I'm here at the headquarters, but we have stations all over the country whose job it is, is to take this educational media and bring it out into communities to make sure that kids have access to it and that they can really learn from it. So we focus on kids ages two to eight. And we focus on skills that are going to help them get ready for school. We work with child development experts and educators. Um, to make sure that we're addressing skills that will help them with school readiness, but also will help them succeed once they get to school. And in the summertime, help keep those skills sharp so that they don't lose as much over the summer. So we cover literacy and math. We cover emotions and the ability for kids to recognize their emotions and interact with others. But also we get into civics and we get into science and computational thinking, um, really all kinds of things that kids need today to be able to succeed. Isn't that wonderful? Computational skills for three to eight-year-olds. You know, doesn't mean, you don't have to say it, but you should know that that is really what three to eight-year-olds are going to be. They're digital natives already, but they're going to be AI natives. And I think that's one of the, the best parts of what you're doing. Is that not correct? Well, it means that we really want kids to think about um, how you break things down 
into smaller pieces. I mean, though that's, you know, computational thinking is like the building blocks of computer science, but it's also about problem solving. And a three-year-old, a four-year-old, they're already needing to help solve things, like look at a big complex problem. It's overwhelming on its own. So how do you break it down into little pieces? How do you figure out what's what's not working? How do you plan out your process for how you're going to make something, whether it's building something out of blocks or writing a story? So those kinds of skills and doing it in a fun way, that's going to be really important for kids' success in school. I think that's the most important part of all of this is to keep that element of fun. Uh, one of the greatest things about Legos is that you look at something on the outside of the Lego box and say, wow, that's a great thing, but where do I begin? So I think one of the things you're talking about is enabling parents, teachers, and kids mm -hmm. to all work together and saying, hey, we can build something great, but let's just start here. Right. And once you start and it becomes fun, then they don't want to stop. The kids love learning. I'm talking for me. I love learning. Yes. I'm a kid. I know the kids love learning. I have grandkids, thank God. They love learning. So let's just talk about what it is. Well, let me just give, I'm going to say it at least six times, maybe even more. I want everybody to go to pbskids.org. That's P as in plentiful, B as in bountiful, S as in successful, K as in night, <laughs> I as in inspirational, D as dynamic, S is successful, pbskids.org. pbskids.org. There's just so much there that you can do. So wonderful, Sarah. Um, how can we set up these positive media habits early, like you're trying to do? I mean, we're talking about three to eight years old. How do you set up positive media aspects so they're not overwhelmed and think of media as something that is to be avoided or it's too much or it's wrong? Right, right. So, I mean, as you mentioned, kids are just, they're digital natives. They're surrounded by media. There's so many types of media going on today. And so we know that for parents, it can get really overwhelming. So what we start with is saying, okay, think about how media is going to fit into your routine. And you can do this with a, a two-year-old or three-year-old. Um, what is the best time of day to engage with media? And it's one activity in a mix of a lot of other activities like playing with Legos, like playing outside, like reading books. Uh, and so putting, putting this as just one activity and saying like, this is the time of day when we're gonna do this. For preschoolers, they love routine. So this is setting up a really nice habit that media is something you can do and can be really positive, but then you also close it and put it away and do something else. Or maybe it'll inspire you. In the best cases, it inspires you to go want to learn more and do something else with it. Another thing that I think is really great for parents to understand is that when you talk to kids about what they watch or what they play, the learning gains are greater. And so if parents start talking to kids at a really early age about what they watch, you're setting up a great habit. So you think about Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, uh, which is based on the old Mr. Rogers Neighborhood curriculum. It's a great, wonderful show. You can ask a preschooler, what happened on Daniel Tiger today? And with that preschooler, when they repeat what happened, when they talk through the storyline, they're reinforcing the skill, whatever it was they learned on the show today. But they're also working on their literacy and communication skills to the parent. As the kid gets older, the parent can start asking more complex questions like, whoa, 
what would you have done in that situation? How would you have managed that? And then that gets the kid thinking about how they would act if they were in that character's shoes. That's a good building block for empathy, for understanding what someone else is thinking or feeling. And over time, it can get even more complex. We, we love that media can introduce topics that can be really tough for families to talk about. It's easier to talk about it if you're talking about your favorite characters in a show. So if you're watching Arthur, which is set like in a third or fourth grade classroom, and there might be something about kids getting into an argument, which is uncomfortable, Kids can talk about that with their parents and then start to talk about maybe things that have happened to them with other friends. It's setting up that good critical thinking skills. It's reinforcing what they watched, but it's setting up also a line of communication with parents that this is something we can talk about. We can talk about media. We can talk about some of these hard topics and we can make connections to our real world. So I am very, I'm listening much about the two words, the O word and the T word. I'll tell you what they are in a moment, but right now I want everybody to go, please go to pbskids.org, pbskids.org. You owe it to yourself. If you don't have kids, do it for somebody else, pbskids.org. You said the two words, the O word, the T word. The O word is outside. As yeah. great as it is to work with the media and these things, outside, fresh air, running around, doing things, because now you can actually utilize some of the skills that they learn while they're in the media, again, working with other kids and things like that. But it's a T word that really interests me the most, talking mm -hmm. with parents, with siblings, communicating. The right. ability to speak and not be just mesmerized by the screen, to be able to close it and have discussion about it, to talk to somebody else and talk to each other, to me, that is the greatest aspect of what we're discussing today. And it's also a, an issue that doesn't happen readily in a lot of homes with other types of things that are happening. That's why pbskids.org is so good because it's bringing that positive, purposeful, powerful, pleasant discussion into the home. And then people, let's be blunt, people are concerned a, a bit about kids' mental health when it comes to this topic, because there's just so much uh, that people don't know about or don't understand. And that screen time needs not so much to be limited, but channeled. Let's use that word, channeled. Mm -hmm. But again, I like the O word, going outside, the T word about talking with kids, uh, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, you know, siblings, et cetera, other family members, and asking questions. You ask questions of kids. Guess what they like to do? They like to tell you, right? Kids like <laughs> to talk. More questions. Yes, they love to talk and they like to ask you things too. And that's like, I love that we can model these kinds of conversations on television and in games in a way that will get kids in there too, get parents talking. Well, first of all, again, thank you so much for being here today, Sarah DeWitt. And we have about 68 seconds remaining. In those 68 seconds, is there something that you'd like to pointedly share with the audience? Well, you did a great job telling them about pbskids.org, so thank you. Uh, but families can also download the free PBS Kids video app and free PBS Kids games app. That's one where you can download games when you have Wi-Fi and take it out of Wi-Fi and play offline if you don't have broadband at home. 
Um, but another thing is if parents really would like to learn more tips like this, you can follow PBS Kids in social media on Instagram or Facebook. We're regularly posting tips and ideas, ways to integrate technology and media into everyday learning during the summertime. So it's a great place to learn more. Well, thank you so much, Sarah DeWitt. And as we do on our show, The Joy of Living, we share with each other a blessing. And that blessing is go forth, live exuberantly, spread the seeds of joy, happiness, peace, and love. Go mad. Go make a difference. Thank you, Sarah. And I look forward to hearing from you. Best wishes. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Joy of Living podcast. Now that's another step towards your healthier, happier, and wealthier life. Never hesitate to do good in the world, no matter what the situation. Join us for another upbeat discussion next time at BarryShore.com. And be sure to leave a rating and subscribe to the show to get more conversations like this. And remember to share it with your family and friends too. See you on the next episode. Bye.